0: The Big Play Reflog Show is brought to you by Shacknews.com. Shacknews is the place to be for all your gaming needs, with the latest news, guides, walkthroughs, and previews, like their featured article previewing the upcoming reboot of Saints Row, which hits stores next month. And be sure to check out this week's Shack Chat, where the Shack News staff discusses the Nintendo franchises they most want to see turned into movies or TV shows. And remember. You can always join in on the conversation by using the Shack News Cortex. So if you're a gamer, Shack News is the site for you. Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch at the handle at Check News and at Checknews.com.
1: It's time streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio, presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world, the big play,
2: Heathrow
1: Show!
3: To the Big Play Reef Log Show. I'm your host, Big Play Dave, alongside Chris McNeil and Gab Cruz. How are we doing, guys?
2: Doing great.
3: Excellent. If you had to pick a video game, Chris, to turn into a movie or TV show, what would you go with?
0: Well, since it's on the mind. Tech Mobile, how about that? You, can can you imagine team through the NFL season with the ups and downs, Dave, and all the drama there. In Tech Mobile, the next Netflix series coming to a streaming <laughs> near you. Can
3: you imagine if they did a Browns season and then just a Browns off season? Just Tech Mobile,
0: that would be awesome. That would be, and then they just strong. bring back Bo Jackson. It doesn't matter. What anybody does because you just have Bo Jackson ripping through everybody. Yeah. Gab, did you play video games growing up at all?
2: Um, So we didn't have any, but I played some with uh, neighborhood friends and whatnot. Uh, you know which one I really liked? And this was even old school at the time that we played it. Like we got it at some the record exchange in Lakewood, Tekken. I don't know if anyone is familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, like,
2: the, and, and I'm. I don't know. It was captivating. Like we figured out hidden moves to do and stuff. And like you got, it was addicting. I don't know. Trying to get to the different levels and and beat and beat the different styles of players. And then we made like fake names for people who looked like other people. Like I remember one guy, we named him Billy Idol because he looked like, I don't know. Anyway, good times. (laughs) It was very addicting. Those seventh grade nights, we'd stay up and just like play Tekken all night. (laughs) Yes.
3: I remember my dad bought us Mortal Kombat when we were little, and my mom didn't know about it, and we would go upstairs and hide and play it. And she (laughs) found us one time, we got in big trouble. I think my dad got in more trouble, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Crash Bandicoot, that was another big one. Another fun one you could stay up all night playing.
3: There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. All right, we should probably start the show. Tonight on the show, we'll kick it off with Cleveland Headlines, brought to you by TSE Cleveland. Then on to our featured interview, filmmaker Randy Wilkins, director of The Captain, Derek Jeter. I can't believe we're talking Yankees on this show. Brought to you by Labatt. Uh, And after that, we will finish up with a round of football cards. Not baseball cards. We're switching to football cards. And then, Gab, I think we're going to have a special guest towards the end as well. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Real quick, uh, we got to get the winner of the Women's uh, Guardian Mile that happened over this past weekend in downtown Cleveland.
3: Awesome. Fantastic. All right, let's kick it off with some Cleveland headlines. (laughs) Cleveland headlines are brought to you By our good friends at TSE Cleveland. They've helped us give away a ton of signed Browns merchandise. So make sure you're following them at TSE Cleveland on Twitter. And keep an eye out for our show tweets for some weekly giveaways. We might switch that up and start doing one big giveaway a month. I think that would be good. And we definitely need to upgrade that uh, intro graphic there. Because Baker Mayfield is not on this team anymore. (laughs) breaking
0: news
3: (laughs) breaking news uh let's talk to browns nathan zagura tweeted out oh baby browns training camp starts this week 2022 season is officially underway i am beyond pumped let's go gab where's your excitement level for this year's training camp
2: (laughs) i actually am excited especially because i've got a really good friend who's a full-time full-timer there and um, so I'm a little more invested from like a behind-the-scenes standpoint and uh, it sounds like it'll be really exciting to to watch all of our different pieces we got going on now and also it's just always good for the city like you know what I mean even if you're not a huge football fan you got to feel good that everybody's just so excited right now and just in that feel-good mood and hopefully Brown's Twitter won't be too ruthless we got to be excited about this.
3: Right, it's been the longest off season ever, and we've had a lot of long <laughs> off seasons. Right. So, yeah, I think this this and, is the mark of it actually starting, which is nice.
2: Right, and just like lots of drama and divisive topics and whatnot. And I think that at the end of the day, people just want to see the hometown team do well and um, just get the sport of football going in this town, you know.
3: Yeah, some actual pads and balls and actually <laughs> playing the sport would be nice. Yes, Chris, what, what's your level of excitement for this?
0: You know, I guess I am because football is starting up, but it's basically necessary but kind of annoying foreplay to the season. I just kind of want to <laughs> get through it. Let's get to the meat of this schedule. Let's get going. We've got the horses. We know we've got a practice a little bit and we gotta get ready, but man, I just want to fast forward. I'm one of those in Madden that that fast forwards to the season through the (laughs) preseason. You skip ten years. And a couple of seasons in I start fast forwarding just to the playoffs. And you know, I'd like to be a team that eventually we just fast forward to the playoffs. For right now, I'll take just fast forwarding to the regular season. By the way, what what did
3: you think of my boy Josh Rosen joining the squad? He seems like he's just like a Cancer to any QB locker room at this point. Which Thought that was perfect. kind of a strange. On it.
0: What could be the worst that happens, Dave? Hard <laughs> time. We're just <laughs> the gauntlet. We're assembling all the infinity stones of all the quarterbacks from that draft and seeing how that turns out. We'll snap our fingers at the end. We'll end up with half the number we've got right now, and we'll roll with it. There we go. We
3: do have friend of show, Cade York. We'll watch him kick some bombs. That'll exactly. be fun. I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the season: is can we make some field goals consistently?
0: Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, uh, so you guys it's, going it's open right practice right this there. year? I can't wait to see all those videos on Twitter of everybody. You know, he missed one from forty-five yards out. I don't know; he's looking a little shaky out here today. Oh
3: God! Kill you me. know it's coming. Kill me, and rightfully so, though. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's been. Two or three instances where we thought we figured that position out over the last couple of years after just some horrible luck at that position. It's and done.
0: Book it. J. Hey, York's got it. He's got it locked up for the next 15 years. He's Phil Dawson's, you know, protege. He's, he's going to be fine. <laughs> he's Phil Dawson's
3: protege. He's like, I guess I have to call Phil Dawson now that I'm here, huh? That's right.
0: Yep, he's under Phil's wing. He'll be fine. Let's go. Yeah. Chris, do you, do you go to any training camp or anything like that? I haven't in years. Yeah, uh, I, I usually do one like scrimmage thing at the stadium and I'll bring the kids to that. I've done that the last couple of years, you know, where they have like a quote unquote game and they try and simulate some things. And I've gone to that, but in terms of regular training camp, I haven't been in years. Gab, do you ever go down to anything?
2: I haven't, but I would actually really be interested to check it out this year. See what the vibe is like and see it in person. I'm surprised I haven't been, but yeah, it's I definitely want to make it.
3: Yeah, I mean I'm it's sure. just Browns players practicing, so I mean, it's not like anything thrilling. But
0: it, it, but if th- it's anything
2: like of- you know, like spring training, though, it's that casual yeah. vibe, and I don't know, you feel like you're getting a sneak peek. It's it's fun. It's a community thing too. It's like fun to go with people and just a relaxed atmosphere.
3: That's right. Yeah, have some football. That is nice. All right, let's switch gears to baseball real quick. Uh, Casey Drotter tweeted this out. He said, it's going to be fascinating to see what the Guardians, a team that essentially has to buy at the deadline, no matter the scenario, does with Ahmed Rosario. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a weird tweet. Do you, I, I? We should be buyers. Uh, do you think that we actually will be buyers at the deadline?
2: Uh... Man, it's such a tough question to we answer. You just never know. I get what he's saying about the Ahmed Rosario thing, though, just because, I mean, I don't know that he's our shortstop of the future, but he's been really good, so he's he's worth – you know, Fran, by contrast, is when he's his normal slugging self and not sh- striking out as much, he's much more valuable than he is currently. But Ahmed is – been pretty consistent he's one of our more dependable hitters and um so i get why he put put him put him in the tweet i guess because he is kind of like a character that's in the mix but like we were talking about dave a lot of some things floating around on twitter and you never know but like maybe it's dealing police sack or bieber or something like that um
3: you never know what the guardians are going to do at the deadline
2: yeah and to be fair it, I mean, I think a lot of people, even us as onlookers, are like, yeah, what What do you do? <laughs> so I'm sure they have their hands full, too, the front office.
0: What, what's interesting is all these conflicting thoughts, too, because you mentioned getting rid of Plesak or maybe Bieber because maybe you can get something there. Uh, we also could use another starting pitcher, I think. Um, <laughs> we really we treat two start
3: starting it. pitchers and get a starting pitcher. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And then we need some help in the outfield, you know, we need a bat, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting to see. I think that we're a little bit ahead of schedule, and I don't think that this team is going to want to jump and pay a lot. So we'll be buyers, but I think we'll be buyers at the dollar store on this uh, particular. Yeah, I'm
3: I'm with there. you. Don't, don't you think they'll be kind of like the Cavs? Like they're a little bit ahead of expectations. They're super yeah. young. They're just going to mm-hmm. roll with it.
2: Right. I, think I don't, right,
3: I don't see them doing anything
0: They're going to stick to their plan Dave They're going to stick to their to plan. The plan Stick That's to the course. board
3: We need one of those trades where we get Karis Levert and we trade Ricky Rubio and we get Ricky Rubio back And then we also get the first round pick Back <laughs> yeah. Do do one of those in your uh, Guardians Front office that would be nice
0: Let's See if Altman can help somebody over there Show them Yeah <laughs> Gav what do you think the biggest need
3: is <sighs>
2: That's tough. Um, right? I know everyone, we keep talking about the outfield and stuff, but... I Motivational
3: mean, coach for Fran Mill?
2: Yeah, it's like we need hitting, but it's also, I feel exactly. like our... And I could be wrong. It could just be an opinion, but I mean, I still feel like our starting pitching could really be more, even more. I don't know. Maybe I'm expecting more out of Bieber and... Uh, Tristan's been awesome. Um yeah. I I could see, or like definitely bullpen help. I would say that because you know those guys need some help. It, it it's like the classic, like we need hitting and we need the the pitching help. So um,
3: we're three games out. We need a little bit of everything.
2: We kinda right. We need a little pepper, a little sprinkle of everything. <laughs>
3: All right, let's let's switch gears. We're gonna go from the Guardians to the Yankees. We which we have never done on this show. Never. Oh.
0: Although, if you've watched the documentary, a lot of that deals with the team we used to call the Indians. Oh, uh, yeah. The fight between the Yankees and the Indians back when Mr. Derek Jeter was young.
3: Heck, yeah. Yeah, I am pumped for this interview. We are bringing on Randy Wilkins' ESPN documentary of the captain. We'll be right back. All right, on the line, of the Labatt Blue Line, we have filmmaker and director of the new ESPN documentary, The Captain with Derek Jeter, Randy Wilkins. Randy, welcome to the Big Play Reflog show, my friend. How
0: are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know I'm a little bit in uh, enemy territory right uh, now. Seen now so i not seeing
0: anything there on my end, Dave. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, you are. What's that, Chris? Oh, I can't hear him or see him well, you're I can maybe it's a me issue yeah
2: Uh-oh. i I
0: got him,
3: <laughs> oh, okay, Chris is our tech expert, Randy, so uh
0: just I'm gonna go I ahead see. and hop I off, or I'll hop back on and see if that helps.
3: Yeah, Randy, we, we wouldn't mind as, as much if uh, we could we could beat you guys at some point. But, that, you know, <laughs> that's beside the point. We want to talk about the captain. Uh, how, how did you get involved in, in this project? This is a, a very cool concept, especially kind of coming off the last dance that a lot of people tuned in with, with MJ. Uh, how did you get involved with the captain?
1: Well, uh, it goes back to my relationship with Spike Lee. Uh, I've known Spike for pretty much my entire adult life. Uh, he was my professor at NYU graduate film and uh, I've been with Spike for close to 20 years now, I think, maybe a little less. And um, I started off as an uh, editorial PA on Inside Man way back in 2004 and worked my way up and um, edit- ended up being one of his editors. But I was always directing. I got into film to be a director um, and Derek and Spike are pretty close and um the story that i've been told is that if derek had ever decided to do something like this he wanted spike to direct it um and he approached spike and um spike had prior commitments but he told derek that he had the perfect guy and uh that perfect guy was me and uh just went from there met derek and uh we hit it off as if we had known each other for 10 years we met uh back in June of 2020, right when the pandemic was was really like raging and we were still adjusting to a new way of life. Um, And yeah, it was tremendous. uh, Great moment for me. And here we are.
0: So did you grow up a
3: Yankees fan?
1: Uh, Yes, I'm definitely a Yankees fan. I grew up uh, in the Bronx. I'm born and raised. Um, I didn't live too far away from the stadium. Uh, The Bronx is a little bit uh, larger than, than people realize. So I was on one end of the borough, and they were on the complete opposite end. But uh, yeah, that's my team. Uh, obsessed with them. So uh, yeah, always been a Yankees fan.
3: So what was that like? I mean, you know, obviously meeting Derek Jeter as a diehard Yankees fan, not only meeting him, but getting to actually work with him. Like, what was that feeling like?
1: Oh, it was incredible. I met him uh, over Zoom. Actually, this is this is interesting. The premiere of the captain on ESPN was July 18th, uh, when the home run derby happened for All-Star Week. And I met Derek two literally two years to the day uh prior in on July eighteenth, twenty twenty. So um I met him over Zoom and like I said, it, it felt like I had known him for 10 years already. I mean, he was incredibly open and engaging and just like laid back. And I think it helped that we were on Zoom and, and we didn't meet in person. I think it would have been a little bit uh, more difficult for me to get over, like, the shock of talking to Derek Jeter uh, <laughs> yeah. if it was in person. But, um, yeah, being on on a computer, like, looking at uh, a camera was a little bit easier to, to get over that. But, um, yeah, it, it really felt like we had known each other for a long time right from the, the first moment that we met each other. So cool. For those
2: unfamiliar or who haven't, who haven't seen it, can you give us like a 30 second, you know, elevator? What, what can people expect?
1: Yeah. I mean, the captain is basically the story of the man behind the pinstripes and his journey from uh, becoming a a young, you know, a young man in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and becoming the star of the the New York Yankees during their, uh, during the height of their run in in recent times. So, uh, we get into race, we get into family, celebrity culture. This is something that's dynamic that goes beyond just like uh, Yankees highlights. This isn't a Yankeeography. This is really an in-depth breakdown of the man behind the jersey and also um, a little bit about like where we are as a country and a society and where New York was uh, during that time as well. So, And we wanted to make sure that everybody can see it. Like, it's not just for Yankees fans. It's for everybody. You know, like, there's a lot of things that we can connect to with Derek Jeter that go beyond our fan allegiance. So that's what the film is about.
0: And I'll echo that because having watched both of these, there's been two that have been released so far. And, uh, you know, I, I obviously hate the Yankees being a Cleveland fan and what the Yankees have stood for for so many years. But I've thoroughly enjoyed your work here in this this documentary. Uh, I think the high point for me was when the Indians beat the Yankees back in 95 but uh then probably the low point was the one in the last episode where where the uh, Indians lost so uh but in between there's some fantastic quotes you know I put out there the one from Scott Rabb about uh uh Derek Jeter and and how he did not like <laughs> Derek Jeter and I think he represents the thoughts of a lot of Clevelanders uh were there some particular quotes that you got during the course of this series that really struck you or what were your favorite quotes that you got out of either Derek or, or anybody else who is involved in this project?
1: Um, there are a couple that I don't really want to give away because they're in uh, latter episodes. Oh, uh, come on.
0: Feel free to do <laughs> that. No <laughs> one's listening.
1: <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> Scott Rob is Scott. Rob is actually great. Uh, we, we, we wanted to make sure that he got his line in, so people from Cleveland you know could feel that and really the rest of the country could feel it because I'm sure he isn't the only person uh, yes. that feels that way about Derek when he played um yeah, one line that really stood out to me is Derek saying loyalty one way is stupidity, and I think yeah. that that kind of captures a lot of how Derek views the world and and what's important to him. Trust and loyalty are like really important uh values for him and that's kind of like the, the line where, you know, if you cross that, there's, there's no return. Um, and as we move on with the series, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in multiple ways, but um, immediately uh, loyalty, one way stupidity stupidity uh, stands out right away.
0: Yeah. And that was, I just got through that in the second episode and really that leaves with a nice cliffhanger of him versus the front office. And I'm anxious to see what the next one's going to hold. Uh, but taking us back to that first episode, you know, he did a, a really nice job of painting the story of him gl- growing up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and his parents, you know, his mom was white, his dad was black, some of the challenges there. How important was it for you to talk to Derek about his childhood, um, growing up, what formed him, and, and how willing was he to kind of open the book on Derek Jeter?
1: Oh, it was crucial. I mean, I think if we're trying to accomplish this goal of, Revealing a man behind that number two jersey, we have to talk about his his upbringing and how that influenced the way that he viewed the world and how the the world viewed him. Quite honestly, so um, it's crucial. We will continue to talk about it throughout the series. Um, and he was very open about it. I mean, it's it's part of his identity, it's part of who he is. And interestingly, I think while we were going through this process, he he learned or kind of discovered how much his upbringing impacted the way that he played baseball and how he viewed um, playing major league baseball as a Broadway stage. And he has this aversion to people staring at him because there was, there's a negative emotion attached to it because of his experience. You know, he doesn't look like his parents and
4: Mm -hmm.
1: um, people are defining him in ways that he doesn't view himself But then when he got to the baseball field, he wanted everyone to look at him. It was showtime for him. So it was like this interesting relationship between uh, how he was viewed on the field and how he was viewed off the field and how that influenced the way that he went about his business uh, while he was playing with the Yankees.
0: And how about that footage? Some of the more um, memorable footage, I'd say, from the first couple was really the footage around his, his draft where he's there in his living room, he's waiting to be drafted, he's expecting to go either one or five, finds out he's not in the top five, didn't realize the Yankees were drafting six, and then of course they take Derek Jeter, They the person announcing it didn't even pronounce his name quite correctly, or they didn't type it <laughs> right. in. But, I mean, there was a lot to that. How did you come about getting that getting that footage and did Derek kind of rediscover that footage? Did he watch it himself and, and kind of was it taking him back or is it something that was top of mind for him?
1: Uh, So the home footage came from his family. Uh, His sister, Charlie did a great job of rounding up a lot of photos and and home videos that uh, we were allowed to use. The family gave us permission to use it. So that came from um, the family, which obviously was gold. I mean, I don't don't think many people have ever seen that footage before. Um, And just kind of like it seems like Derek was in shock the entire time, one that he wasn't picked earlier and then like even more shocked that he's going to the Yankees. And, you know, everybody's excited and he kind of looks like, you know, what's going on here? I can't believe this is happening. Um, And then the actual draft room footage came from Major League Baseball. Um, So they had that in their archives. Fortunately, they they um, still had a record of it and still had access to it. Um, the MLB archives are really vast, but I think when you go 20, 30, 40-plus years outside of, like, the real famous footage that we see of, like, older-time players, like, the uh-huh. the archives can be hit or miss. So, thankfully, they still have this draft room footage. Um, it's incredible, and we were able to, obviously, to put those two together, so we were on both sides of the the process um, to, to arrive at Derek joining the Yankees. So, uh, real fortunate that things worked out that way
0: you've had a variety of guests so far, you know, from the front office to rappers to, you know, other teammates of of Derek's to other uh, players on other teams. Were any of the guests that you've had or that you're going to have, were they any different in person than what you expected them to be?
1: Oh yeah. A bunch of them. Uh, (laughs) uh, Roger Clemens uh, was so much more engaging than I thought he was going to be. I mean, I I thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be fine as an interview, but he was like awesome off camera. I mean, he was amazing. He, you know, he was like, Oh, I'll I'll be in that guy over there if you need it. And we had baseballs (laughs) around and, um, you know, he was great. Uh, Jimmy Rollins who will be in uh, episode six was tremendous. I mean, he's, he seemed like the most down-to-earth, regular like, star athlete I've ever been around. Like he's, We were like hanging out with him after the interview, eating ribs for lunch. And he was just like <laughs> hanging out with us like nothing. Um, Reggie Jackson was incredible. Reggie Jackson felt like my elder, just like teaching me life lessons. Uh, Daryl Strawberry was tremendous. Actually, speaking of um, Scott Robb, the day that we interviewed Scott Robb was also the day that we interviewed Reggie Jackson. So they met in the green room and uh, Scott Robb introduced himself to Reggie Jackson. He said that he was a guy that wrote the Esquire article about Derek and Alex and or about Alex that ended up including Derek. And Reggie Jackson just started cursing him out. You know, he was like (laughs) the enemy all of a sudden. And Scott Robb is there and he's just taking it. He has like the biggest smile on his face and he's just like loving it. Man, I'm like getting cursed out by Reggie Jackson is like the greatest day of my life. Uh, so, um, yeah. So we've had interactions like that. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. But um, yeah, we I, I, we were very blessed to have so many people be a part of it. And um, yeah, they were they were great. Uh, Michael Jordan. I mean, there's there's nothing. I know that he might not be the most popular person in Cleveland, but um, uh, yeah, he was. He was also amazing. And just like his presence, you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is Michael Jordan. You know, you just like have a different feeling uh, when he was around. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of great people that we were able to come across.
0: One of the other people who, who seems very down to earth in this entire thing is Jeter himself. Uh, the way he talks to the camera, you know, you could tell he's got that confidence. Uh, he's got a little bit of cockiness, but really seems like a guy who's in touch with who he is. And did you find that to be true throughout this process?
1: Oh, he's very sure and aware of who he is. And I think, you know, when this was announced, predictably everybody was like, "Ah, oh, why is Derek Jeter getting six episodes? Why are they doing a film on him? He's boring. He's this, he's vanilla. Like, what are we going to get out of it? Like, he's a Yankee, blah, blah, blah. But I knew just from that first meeting back in 2020, that he was way more than what people saw. And, you know, that public persona he had when he played was by design. You know, he was intentionally vanilla. He intentionally steered away from stuff because he wanted to win championships. Like, Derek is very, very focused on his goals and his ultimate goal, as cliche as it sounds, is and was uh, to win regardless of what it is, it could be anything. It could be like who has the best quote on this show. He's trying to win. So, um, I, I knew when I spoke to him that this was going to be dynamic and he was going to reveal a lot because you could just tell when you speak to him, like off the cuff and when he's comfortable. So I think the biggest thing was earning his trust and making him comfortable enough to, to show that side of him. Um, and a lot of that came with just talking and being myself and, um, you know, just connecting with him. So by the time that we sat down to do these interviews, he was ready to reveal himself. And I think he was ready to do that anyway, but, you know, you have to have a relationship with the person who's telling your story. And, and we really did that. So there's a lot to him. Uh, he's a very interesting dynamic guy, uh, extremely intelligent, very aware Um And I think he's way more dynamic than people thought because of the way that he handled himself with the media for 20 years. But he's that's not who he really is.
0: Without revealing too much. And I understand where you're at. Two episodes have been released. Is there something in these next few episodes that you're particularly (laughs) interested in the country seeing and what the reaction is?
1: Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, Alex Rodriguez and his relationship with A-Rod. I mean, that's, that's what we get into next. So. And it's um, kind of
0: started. You primed the pump a little bit on that stuff in episode two and did a nice job with that, may I add, of just kind of, okay, these guys kind of, you know, developing what their backstory is, how they've met, and and you see that progression right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, a lot of it's just going to be about Alex and his relationship uh, with Derek, Um but also like revealing more about how Derek feels about trust and loyalty. And that is not just his relationship with Alex, but it's how he interacts with everyone and how that kind of just like influences his relationship. So it doesn't just, um, focus on Alex. It's, it's setting the groundwork for things that happen throughout the rest of Derek's career and what he had to go through. Um, you know, in episode four, we deal with, uh, his first world series defeat in Arizona And how that impacts him and uh, how it like really bothers him, you know, and he goes into detail about the impact that it had on him and and, uh, going through that experience for the first time, losing a world series, especially with nine 11 and the added responsibility of trying to be a distraction for New York city at the time. So um, yeah, I mean, it's the next two episodes like really exciting. I think it gets, gets into a lot of things that people were hoping we were getting to, you know, I, I know people, weren't totally sure if the film was ever going to go there but it does um so i think that people will have a lot of exciting stuff to to look forward to
3: i mean just a, a giant scope of this this project in two years uh what randy what was your favorite part about putting this entire thing together
1: well i think it's i think it's like discovering the story that you feel confident people will connect to emotionally. So you have this idea, you have this story structure, you have this kind of skeleton of what you would like the story to be. But like when you actually hear the people speaking and like their emotional beats that are starting to arise and there, there's information that's revealing itself that you know people don't know about, or Derek is revealing certain things about his personality or people like telling stories where it reveals more about him that's when you get really excited because you know that you're, um, that you're breaking this myth that people have about Derek. So I think just finding those moments where people are learning about him, they learn new information, maybe about the Yankees or the organization, whatever. And you know that you have something that people are going to like, kind of sink their teeth into you get excited. So I think mining those emotional beats and arriving at moments where again, universally people can get into it and they understand it. Like it's not some Yankee gatekeeper thing where, you know, it's just for Yankees fans where, you know, if you, if you weren't a part of that fandom, you can't access it. You know, it's it's supposed to be universal. It's not treated like um, a Yankeeography. So I think when you have those moments and then you can build on them and set them up and pay them off, that's when you get excited as a storyteller. Cause you know, you're telling this like very uh, wide ranging, but, um, in depth story about a man in the world around him.
3: All right, so which iconic Cleveland athlete are you going to do your next uh, film on? Is it going to be like <laughs> Johnny Manziel, or you want to go like Colt
1: McCoy, or uh... Uh, you guys tell me what do you guys want? You know, uh, let's get
0: a Joe so... Thomas one. Let's get a no, Joe Thomas. No, do a, a Nick okay. Chubb. Nick Chubb, if you could oh, make Chubb. Nick Chubb, Chubb can a can dynamic make... character yeah. that really catches the attention of everybody and not just a fantastic running back, that would be a real that'd be director's ultimate challenge.
1: Yeah, that, that one might be hard. Nick Chubb <laughs> might be might be hard. Uh we can show the, the squat video a couple times yeah. and just like squatting <laughs> a million pounds. Um but yeah, no, I uh yeah, I uh I don't know. You whatever you guys want, I'll I'll come up with it. Uh I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if uh people want to see a Johnny Manziel film though. I don't know how that that might land in Cleveland. I might I might be uh unpopular at that point. But um yeah.
3: <laughs> I love it. All right, so for those who haven't been watching, by the way, I love that it comes out once a week and I can't binge it and stay up till three in the morning. I like the anticipation of the, the weekly episode um if if people haven't gotten on board where can they where can they view it how can they view it
1: so right now uh it's available on espn plus if uh people have espn plus they can always access it there and i think the other way really is just your cable on demand uh it'll be available i think through september so uh if you want to play catch up you can uh Subscribe to ESPN Plus if you don't have it. If you do have it, it's readily available and then uh, should be available uh, on demand across across the country.
3: Super cool. Well, episode one and two were phenomenal. Excellent work. We're, we're definitely looking forward to the rest of it. Um, and then, yeah, we'll let you know on that Cleveland player when, when that comes due.
1: Yeah, let me know. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for watching, and thanks for supporting the film.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming on, and keep up the great work.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: All right, Randy. Welcome. That was awesome. That is just such a gigantic project to to put together. Um, and it's, it's done phenomenally well. So Chris, I know you're loving it.
0: I am. Yeah. He's done a fantastic job with it. And if, you know, a diehard Cleveland Indians slash guardians fan like me, can enjoy something that's centered around Derek Jeter, the captain of the New York Yankees during the nineties and up until a few years ago, then I think anybody can enjoy it. Heck yeah. Hey, let's do back-to-back interviews. What do you say?
3: Let's do it.
2: Do it. Well,
3: I'm going to get the music. So we're pumped up again. Here we go. Take it away. Gab
2: all right so we have our next interview this is the winner on the women's side of the elite race the of the guardian mile the fourth annual guardian mile that just took place on saturday josette norris so thanks for
4: coming on sister such last minute notice <laughs> yeah thanks for having me um i saw it in my messages and i was like yep i'm hopping on so i'm oh. here and that was really cool to just even hear a little bit about um Derek Jeter, because I grew up in Tenafly, New Jersey, like 15 minutes from the city, and I had a poster of Derek, like literally above my bed. So um, I was happy to hear a little bit about Derek Jeter. Right How
0: there. cool!
2: What a perfect lineup then, in terms of interviews. Um, so obviously, you didn't pursue baseball then, but you <laughs> you got pretty good got some at running skull
0: bases, I think, along the way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So for those who don't know, and also, how do you pronounce your first name? Is it Josette?
4: Yeah, Josette.
2: Mm-hmm. Josette. Okay, mm-hmm. very cool. So for those who, who are tuning in um, who aren't as familiar with the running world, we're trying to get some love for the sport on this level because we do get you know, quite a bit of people who like to tune in and listen to... Chris and Dave, um <laughs> mostly. Um, but and I had you, to
3: sneak, Jeb, and you.
2: <laughs> I had to sneak in a runner because first of all, it's relevant. Um, your time, by the way, was 66. So in in a road mile. And part of it, I mean, there was a downhill at the end, but it's a little uphill too. Um, how did you 4-19, feel? that's
0: insane? Yes. We talked about how proud I was with my firecracker five miles. That was I by was... far and away, my best ever run.
2: We were hyping miles. you up over your firecracker five. You definitely still be proud, Chris. Um, see, I but... had to
0: wedge that in here. Sorry.
2: <laughs> I think this was cool because, well, first of all, that is the fastest mile run in Ohio. So now you've got that checked off of your box. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, and let me see. I have some other little stats for you. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, so ranked 8th in the 1500 in the world currently. Finished 5th wow. indoors in the 15, right? Yep, at um, the World championship, World Championships. 359, 1500 personal best. Mm-hmm. That is the 10th fastest ever by an American. Uh, she runs a 1451 5K. So these are all just across the board from your mile up to the 5K. Really strong performances. Um, what do you think is your best performance? or most favorite event
4: so i've been i grew up and i love doing cross country and track and um i definitely focus on the 1500 and the 5000 meters on the track and actually the guardian mile was my first ever road mile so it was really cool i'd never been to cleveland ohio and i've never done a road mile before so i was really excited to make my road mile uh my first road mile appearance um here and it was really special to do that and i think it suited my strengths really well because i would call myself a strength miler and mm-hmm. um a lot of time road races um play to the hands of a strength runner so um it was pretty cool to come out there and it was really unique to be able to run across the bridge um, like you said the second half is downhill but that first half is a steady incline so i think we went out for a little reference we went out in a 213 um, okay. like at halfway. And then I came back in a 206. So a big negative split.
2: But, um, yeah, with the it was really
4: cool to break the uh, 420 barrier. I actually ran 420 in a track mile um, a couple months ago in New York City. So mm-hmm. um, to get under it in a road mile was pretty special. And to break the record, um, it was just a really cool experience. And um, having everyone lined up across the bridge is like we're flying downhill. Uh, was really special. And I definitely was pumping the arms and the legs and like 200 meters to get to that finish line first. So it was really fun.
2: Yes. Didn't you love that aesthetic? Like more people need to know about this. It's only the fourth guardian mile, but um, it's super cool because it's an evening race. You know, nobody's up at the ass crack of dawn for this. It's like people can actually come and watch. And then it's, there's a community feel because there's like the community gets to run and we do different levels like a master's in a stroller division and you know the high schoolers do one but what's cool is everyone can finish line the bridge the sun is setting and we're gonna watch world-class athletes race across the bridge it's a it's a really cool fun atmosphere and we're we're super psyched you got to make your debut uh, a w in cleveland <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was
4: so much fun and it's really cool because most times like road racing is like the early morning and when you're racing on the track uh, a lot of the races are at night and it's like my favorite to run at night. So I was so happy that this race was at night and that everyone could be a part of it and um I went for a run with the community, like we did a run with the pros the next day and got to run along the water on the bike path. So it was really cool to be able to get a little taste of Cleveland and uh Run there, and it was a really special event. And I'm looking forward to coming back in the next few years.
2: Awesome. Is there anything special that has changed for you, um, just becoming a little more into your role as a professional athlete um, in terms of training or traveling or diet? Is there any adjustments you've made now getting used to the sport or the professional? avenue of yes
4: so i'm in my third year as a professional i run for reebok and um i graduated from georgetown university in 2019 and it was really crazy to start your professional running career um during covid like so my first year um was during covid so it really felt like this past year was my first year as a professional and um i was fortunate to have a breakout year and run those times and um finished fifth at this past indoor Um, world championship and a lot of that came down to like being patient and working hard and uh, believing in yourself especially as you get to that next level whether it was from high school to college to pro it gets harder and harder Mm -hmm. as you make those progressions and um, it took me a little bit to really feel like I belong on the professional stage as a runner and I've really worked on my confidence and just believing in myself and a lot of that comes from like your workouts and what and the work you're putting in and um, I've been able to see huge breakouts um, this past year. And I'm hoping to keep that going as my professional career keeps growing.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I think that as a runner, you definitely it's one of those things where not everybody sees what's going on. You just pop up at a race and it's like whoever <laughs> shows up and does something cool that day. How do you keep yourself motivated through those grueling workouts? Um, because, you know, it they add up and and it's an everyday sacrifice to in our sport. I feel like it's. Not one of those things where you can just, you know, stay up
4: all night or get
2: get to too many parties or whatever. There is a sacrifice involved.
4: There's definitely a sacrifice. And um, I would say that running professionally is more like a lifestyle, like everything you do between your workouts and your recovery days and your eating and your fueling. Um, And it's definitely like uh, my day to day. It's a lifestyle of being a professional runner and making sure that you're recovered and training And it's funny, there's not too much of an off season like other sports, like we're competing all around, um, like every season, whether it's indoor track or outdoor track. And then even in the fall, that's building up for maybe you're going to do some more road races in the fall. So it feels like a constant thing. And um, it's really nice. My fiance is also a professional runner. So it's really nice that we have each other in the day to day, because at times it could feel lonely. Um, you have your team, if you're with a professional group or if you train alone, but a lot of times you are putting in a lot of miles, um, by yourself, but it's really nice that I have my partner with me to do it together and we get to travel and travel the world together and, um, go and race and compete. So that makes it really fun and really enjoyable to get to do that together.
2: Awesome. Well, what can we look forward to next from you? What's on your list
4: next? So I'm actually racing in, um, a 1500 in Memphis this upcoming Friday. And then I'm getting ready for a European trip. I'm going to go to Poland the following week and race in the diamond league circuit. And like the next goal would be to try to make the diamond league final, which would be um, in the beginning of September. So hopefully be racing on the circuit in Europe and to get enough points to go compete at the diamond league final, which I was able to do last year and I had so much fun traveling and racing. So a couple more weeks of races. And um, if anyone wants to, follow along on my Instagram. I always post about upcoming races and the results. Um, it's at Josette Norris.
2: Perfect. Great. Thanks. You, you even, you even gave yourself the plug. I was going to say, where can we find you? Cause if not, I'll throw it out there, but oh, awesome. Perfect. Well, congratulations again and crush it in Memphis and beyond.
4: Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Bye.
3: That's great. Fantastic.
2: Yay. I don't even (laughs) think
0: I could break an eight minute. (laughs) It's incredible. These elite runners, man. Oh, man. I
2: mean, it was just so cool to watch um, on Saturday, but I know I'm a runner geek, but like, even for the community, I feel like people would be surprised what a fun vibe it was.
3: Well, I saw, so I saw you, your Instagram videos just over the bridge and it, it looked awesome. There was a ton of people. Um, I feel like it didn't, there's not like a whole lot of marketing that you see out on the internet for it. So this is the fourth year. What what was the vibe like down there? Like it's, was there a lot of people? It seemed like it.
2: Yeah. Like we try, um, my friend, my friend, Kenny who helps, uh, put this on, we, they try to get to like some of the news networks and whatnot. I mean, it's going to take them some time to marinate, but it's really unique because we really do have. Some really great athletes like Clayton Murphy. He's from uh he ran at Akron. He won gold in the eight hundred in twenty sixteen at the Olympics. Um he also I mean he did well at this past Olympics too, I believe. Uh a really Yeah,
3: but how are they how are they recruiting like runners like Josette to come to Cleveland? Like are they like, Hey, would you like to run across a bridge? Like like there will be people here.
2: So what's <gasps> funny about this? He's runners- going to Europe. I know what's funny about the running world is it's a small world. So like, yeah, you're, you're so close to knowing so many because it's just such a small close knit community. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it though, too, is like they are, they feel a little bit more accessible. Like somebody always knows somebody personally and be like, Hey, would okay. you be interested in this race? Cause you know, um, They've worked to get prize money and, and things, make it legitimate, have an actual purse involved and uh, get the community to become more aware of the sport, I guess. And it just works out. I mean, for people who don't know, it's like, dang, you're you're missing something really cool. I feel like people tend to only care about running or track and field when the Olympics come around. And it does captivate a lot of people. But what's cool is it's like we, we're building something really unique and special right here in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, everybody was at Market uh, Garden Brewing after. It was like a great drinks going around, um, community aspect thing. So
3: That's awesome. All right, I'm going next year. I'll bring a cooler of Labette. You should enter the stroller stroller race.
2: race.
0: The stroller race.
2: Dude, you might come in like six.
0: Do you have to have a baby to do that? So there were six people. These little
2: kids, these kids were like, "Oh, it was so funny watching the dads like race down the hill." Um, but yeah, these kids were having the time of their lives in the stroller division.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! If I'm gonna have a baby at that time, I'm gonna have to get busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to qualify.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you really have to go all in for this one.
2: <laughs>
0: you get a lighter
3: stroller. Oh, hey Dave, man. you know
0: what it's time for? I think. What is that? Some football cards. Let's do it. play baseball cards. Football season is right around the corner. I saw Ken Karmie tweeted out that he heard the high school marching band starting to play, so we know that football is on its way. Alive and well. So let's play some football cards. All right, what are we doing? Gab versus me. Gab, you up for this? Oh, man. We're going 1990 score. Series one versus series two here.
2: Okay. 1990
0: um, football. Gab, how good are you at 1990 football?
2: before my time, uh, <laughs> but let's NFL do it.
0: Football. Do you want <laughs> Series 1 or do you want Series 2? What does that even mean? I have no idea, Dave. Well, let's I assume Series first. 1 came out before Series 2. You're
2: last, so Six Series
0: up. 1. Series 1. Here you go. 1990, Series 1. I think we have 16 cards in here.
3: All right, I'm sending it over under. Gab, I think you will know less than three and a half. Okay.
0: Three and a uh, half. Oh. Taking, I would
2: be shocked. All right, let's see. Let's go. I'm taking under.
0: Dwayne Bickett from the Colts. That's 0 for 1. Okay. Jim Jeffcoat of the Cowboys, 0 for 2. Jim Jeffcoat. Reggie Roby from the Dolphins. Uh-huh. That's, that's a punter. Hassan Jones from the Vikings. Oh, boy, this is a rough pack. It just got a little bit better. This man just started his own commercial not too long ago. Icky Woods from your Cincinnati Bengals. Oh. Icky Woods.
2: Now that the sounds stuff. familiar.
0: Going to get some cold cuts.
3: What, Jeff, what Higgins? commercial was that? Was that an
0: insurance commercial?
3: Was that Chris? That
0: was progressive, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Or was it like a Geico? Maybe it was a Geico. It was one of those. Yeah, one of the insurance. Mark Kelso from the Bills. Remember Mark Kelso? Free safety? I remember him nope steve walsh steve walsh this time of the cowboys i think steve walsh would eventually end up with the niners Ooh. he's quarterback for your dallas cowboys vince Newsom from the rams dalton hilliard from the saints Oof. mark spindler he's a rookie i don't even know what team he's for mark spindler uh pittsburgh huh? Renaldo rinaldo turnbull reggie rembert this is not getting any better for you Luis Oliver, Trace Armstrong of the Bears. He was pretty darn good. He was also a Super Bowl champion. And Audrey Bruce. Woo! That's a right So well,
3: I think I knew two of those. Maybe three. Icky Woods. So, so if I was the under, Gab, I think you might be the under as well.
0: Uh, yeah. I think um... we've got to go Icky Woods and... Yes. I don't know Steve Walsh, Mark Kelso, Trace Armstrong. The
2: last guy, Trace.
0: Trace Maybe. Armstrong from your Chicago Bears.
2: Icky and Trace.
0: There Trace we go. Trace Armstrong was pretty darn good. Okay, I'm gonna open up my pack. Hopefully, it's significantly better than yours. <laughs> Let's see, Gab's pack was a little rough. Icky Woods is a good card
3: though. That's a that's a solid pull out of the the '90s there.
0: That's solid. I got Jarvis Williams from the Dolphins. Louis Tillman from the Giants. Steve Burline, wow! Steve Burline of the Raiders. He may still be in the league somewhere. Remember, he went to Carolina, I think. Just like our boy Baker. Oh, no. Jay Schrader from the Raiders. We got back-to-back quarterbacks from your Raiders. Bruce Armstrong from the Patriots. Hardy Nickerson from the Steelers. He was pretty good. Oh, an All-Pro, Ronnie Lott. That's pretty. That's yeah, a idea. good card. Back-to-back with Barry Sanders. I think this one's over. good night. This one's over. Harris Barton, okay. Mark Bortz, Tony Casillas. Jeff George. How about that? A Jeff George rookie card. Remember Jeff George? Oh, yeah. Looks like he's playing for the Browns there, but nope. He played for Illinois. Then he went to the Colts and did nothing. Jesse Anderson, Ernie Jones, Tony Eason. There's another solid one. Came out the same year as Bernie Kosar, I believe. Ed Reynolds. I'm going to go with Barry Sanders and Ronnie Lott against your Icky Woods and Trace Armstrong. How many years? Two Hall of Famers versus two guys who are not in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) I think I win this round. Rats. That's that's an easy one. That first pack was brutal. Thanks for playing, Gab.
2: Yeah, thanks for... Nothing.
0: <laughs> do they have runner's cards? Maybe I'll have to do elite runner's cards.
2: Yeah, back. we should do that.
0: Elite runner's cards. Give you the advantage. We've had some bad
3: <laughs> baseball packs, but I think that football pack was probably the worst we've ever pulled.
2: That Icky was a real Woods. mismatch there. Icky Woods
0: is good, but yeah. Icky Woods is good, but that was by far. that It was like Icky Woods and then the field in that pack. <laughs> <laughs> rough. Rough. Chris, well, how many
3: years was Barry Sanders in the league on that? that card that you had there.
0: Uh, let's see. What does it say here? Barry Sanders. He was a rookie in 89. And what did okay. I say? Was it 91? Yeah.
3: Wow. That card might be worth a little money.
0: It might be. He had 14 rushing touchdowns. His rookie year. He got the My Heisman team Trophy team. as a junior at Oklahoma State in 19. 86 88 88 that would make more sense hmm.
3: my kids are getting really into tr- like cards now so like baseball cards football cards yeah and we found like all of my old ones that i had growing up and you know we found one that was like worth three dollars four, <laughs> four dollars and then chris we found i had a binder of x of marvel cards nice and it was like it's like all these superhero cards i was like oh those are worthless we found one it was like a ghost rider card and it was worth like
0: three hundred dollars nice wow. yeah. you Immediately take it to ebay of course yeah. uh, yes <laughs> this of has course. a lot of
3: value I Had no idea that marvel cards would uh trump baseball and football
0: cards you were so lucky when they started coming out with the movies
3: yeah, that is very
0: true. Because the market just went straight up through the roof. Although, did you watch the latest one? I do need to talk about this. Uh, or Love, Love,
3: Thunder. I've not seen it. I, I'm, I'm way behind. I, I think it was like a week or two ago. I just watched Doctor Strange. That was horrible.
0: Yep. They're in a slump.
3: Did this? Yeah, get a and mind? I
0: thought, I thought, well, ever since it's gone to Disney, it's really downhill. Disney can't do comedy. You know, they try and make it kind of funny, and that's what this one was. No, Dave, it's Disney
2: not. can't do comedy.
0: No, well, you
3: know, Chris, they, they owned Marvel though when Marvel was in their heyday the last decade, right?
0: Yeah. I think yeah. what I think
3: oh. the issue is they're, they're doing so much because they started the subscription service, they have to put out so much content, and they're doing these series right. and they're spending less time on the movies, and it's all gone downhill.
0: Yeah, I was not impressed. I Ow. was not impressed. No. The kiddo liked it. I took Grady, and he really liked it. You know, there's loud music and kind of some lewd jokes. Ow. That <laughs> appeals to a young teenager.
3: I heard but, it was more Thor Ragnarok than it was any of the other Thors, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, but even there, it's no. just... No, it came off as kind of empty to me. I don't know. I was disappointed because I was excited. Because this thing came out right around my birthday, and I've been, I had that marked on the calendar, like that's going to be a fun activity. And I finally got around to it, and it was, it was a disappointment. It was. Wak- a
3: disappointment. Wakanda Forever is going to be the movie that brings Marvel back.
0: Yeah, I think that have could you be seen right.
3: The, have you seen the trailer for it? I have,
0: I have. That one could do it. That one could do it. So my summer movies, I've got Maverick, far and away number one, and I didn't even well, like I that as well as other I, I didn't think it was it was good. It's not as good as people say okay. I, I think, uh, but it's compared to the other movies, the Jurassic Park movie, not good, not good. No. And I would put this above that, but not by much. You know
3: it's bad when it's on Disney plus with like three weeks after it was released in the theater.
0: but I'll tell you far and away, the worst movie I have seen, and probably not only this summer in past summers and for several years. The Bob's Burgers movie, very very bad, unfortunately. And I like Bob's Burgers. You didn't like how they got trapped underground They almost horrible. died. <laughs> and it's already on a streaming service. To your point, yes. Did you see the Bob's Burgers movie? I love
3: Bob's Burgers the show. I do too. Did you like yeah. the movie? Um,
0: it was okay. Yeah, I thought that was horrible. It just, it wasn't yeah. good to the show. It wasn't. Uh, I wasn't expecting much. Right. Neither was I, by the way. <laughs> I was underwhelmed. I just watched
3: Independence Day 2 for Movie Night this past weekend. Have you seen that? I have not. I didn't even know they had a second one. I guess it came out like six, seven years ago.
0: Interesting. Was it good? It was incredible.
3: Incredibly good?
0: Or com- Incredibly Bill
3: Bowman was in it interesting yes they had the whole cast except for Will Smith I think Will Smith is like nah, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that men in black the third one's gonna be the best one Chris
0: I can't wait like <laughs> Caddyshack 3 I'm waiting out for that one to come out you uh, know maybe. Caddyshack 1 came out today on this date in 1980 by the way did it wow. really there you go there you go there's your cinema corner can we talk movies every week? I like talking. Nice movies.
2: piece of trivia. Yeah. I'm still caught up on the fact that Chris said Disney doesn't know comedy because Disney owns Pixar, and I will have you know.
0: Pixar was Pixar before Disney picked them up.
2: All right. As long as you just differentiate because there's a lot of. They
0: buy comedy, they buy okay, it fair. and they ruin it generally. Because
2: the writers, there are some, I just have, there's there are people I want to meet in person. Like whoever wrote Monsters University has to be my best friend. It's a tight, if it was a stand up, like it's such tight writing. I, it's friggin' hilarious.
0: I agree.
3: I agree. Inside Out, very good movie.
2: There's so many. And Kanto, I watched recently. That's pretty good. I thought the plot fell apart at the end, but um, very visual and great (laughs) music. Uh, I I could talk Pixar all day. I don't know. You guys probably don't watch Moana
3: probably about 75 times there you year. go
2: moana's up there that is a good that is a good one coco another that's classic true. that i'm really loving these days i can re-watch pixar movies
3: <laughs> this whole time i'm trying to think of a disney movie that's funny
2: see <sighs> is the emperor's new groove disney that was funny hercules that was funny kind of yeah i liked hercules emperor's new groove these are old. These are like,
0: I was gonna say these are really old. That was like, yeah. very, like Mickey Mouse <laughs> graphics.
2: I'm talking about like <laughs> when McDonald's had the freebies uh, during these movies. And I'm like, which ones were the good ones?
3: Yeah. We're, we're going to have to do our research on this.
2: I will say this though. I had the epiphany recently. So like, I just decided to watch uh, 101 Dalmatians one night, like the old school one. Mm-hmm. And I had the epiphany, like, what a bizarre concept for someone to decide that, you know, be a really great kids movie uh, about, like, stealing a hundred puppies and a lady threatening to skin them to make a What's coat out them? of it. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know where growing up that didn't register for me, but my adult brain now was like, what? In the world, like who pitched this idea and thought that that was like just you know? I normal? think back
3: in the day, a lot of those writers were just on a lot of drugs. Yeah, <laughs> when they came up with some of these ideas, like, like
0: you gotta be up. that
2: was the uh, case. A hundred Dalmatians and just like let's skin them. That's what she wants to do. Okay.
0: And Disney's like, let's do it.
2: That sounds about. That sounds good.
0: And that's before you went through in front of like test audiences and things like that. That didn't exist. Right. They were just like, concepts would never test out. You know, you get a room full of more than like three people. Somebody's going to be in there going, Whoa, wait a second. So it's just some dude who went out to the bar with another guy. They wrote that thing and (laughs) then they just kind of rolled with it. You know, there can't be that many people involved in that actual script coming together. Right.
2: Well, drugs definitely worked for them, though, to the same point, because Alice in Wonderland was a banger.
3: (laughs) You're right. That's what I'm saying. That was a book.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, but the way... Okay. Was it as crazy as the movie? In
0: its best form, it was a Tom Petty video, I would say. Wow. R.I.P. Good reference. Tom Petty.
3: All right. Only thing we didn't get to talk about was Madden Ratings. Miles Garrett, 99. Should he have been the first 100, Chris? Of course. Come on. Actually, I'll take that back. I think Devin Hester was 100 in speed.
0: Was he really? I think so. Was Devin Hester? I know he was fast. I didn't realize he was I
3: think they gave him 100 speed back in the day. I think the internet, it was like the early version of Twitter. I think they bullied Madden into giving him 100 speed.
0: God bless the internet. <laughs> right? Same people who put Peyton Hillis on the cover of it. Absolutely. I might I might
3: get Madden this year. I haven't gotten Madden in three, four years. I think it's time.
0: 84, no. Chris. We're in 84, 13th overall. I'll take it. Top half of the league? When's the last time we were in the top half of the league? It's gotta be the highest we've ever been, right? Ever been on Madden. I mean, probably I mean, maybe
3: before. this sports illustrated year baker coming off the really strong performance i think we were like low 80s i
0: mean even us being like top yeah i'm thinking back to like our heyday you know we're the 13th best team in the league chris <laughs> yeah i'll take it dave
3: yeah i think the only gripe i have is wyatt teller at 89 him mm-hmm. and Batonio should both be low 90s easy i agree what do they have Chubb at? He's I was like just about to ask super that. Number what was one Nick number Chubb? Nick Chubb is a 96.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay. That sounds about right. That's a so They but take they off can't. three points because he doesn't have that outgoing personality. Is that one? I think so. I think outgoing so. Outgoing
3: personality, 0.0. 0. <laughs> Toughness, 100. Amari Cooper, 90. That's actually a little higher than I thought he would be. We got a team. Let's we go team. play some football can't wait for that regular season it is time (laughs) all right i am spent what do you guys say
2: all right let's wrap her up
3: let's wrap it up thanks for tuning in to the big play reflog show we will see you next monday night 9 p.m shout out to labat go get some seltzers go get some labat blue lights check out the gab hat Uh, TSC Cleveland, go get some Cleveland memorabilia signed. We're going to start doing a a once-a-month giveaway for a big-ticket item there. GVR, go get some shirts. And Shaq News, go check them out. Go check out those debates on which video games should be shows and movies. Go check them out live on Twitch and subscribe. We will see you guys next Monday night and hopefully know who our quarterback is going to be week one.
0: See you then. It's time, streaming
1: live from Cleveland, Ohio, presenting the undefeated, undisputed, heavyweight podcast of the world, The Big Play, We Show.